Are you ready for God's word? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my robe on. Uh, first of all, because it's a cool robe and it helps me illustrate what some of us think about relationships. Some of us think that the hard work is before you get married or before you have commitment. But once you have that commitment, you just, it's easy street. You just put the robe on. How many of you thought this erroneous thing before you realized um, through the road of hard knocks that it's anything but easy? That when you get married, that's when, that's when the work begins. You say, pastor, can you call marriage work? If you want a good one, if you want a good one, it takes work. You know, I used to think I had it all figured out. And then I got married and realized, I don't know Melissa at all. I don't even understand her. And you know, the more, the more I go, the more I realize it takes work to understand our wives, men. Right? Sometimes I heard this once. He said, there was this righteous man in the earth. And, and I don't want you to write me a letter or, or tell me that, that my joke wasn't theologically sound. I'm just, I'm just, just enjoy it. You know, um, there was a really good person that God, he found favor in God's eyes. And so God comes to him in a dream and says, son, I want to do something really, really special for you. You have really found favor in my eyes. And and he liked to ride motorcycles. Any motorcycle riders in the group? Yeah? Okay. Um, There's a few. And so he says... uh, God says, I want to do something really special for you. And this man liked to ride motorcycles. He said, Lord, you know what I've always wanted to do is ride my motorcycle from here to Hawaii. <laughs> and so if you could build me a highway so I could take my friends and a whole motorcycle group and invite people on this trek from here, from the West Coast, all the way to Hawaii. And the Lord says, man, we're in a down economy. There was COVID. There's a lot of things going on. That sounds like a waste. You know what? Do you have anything else I can do for you? He thought about it a second. He says, I got it, Lord. This is what I've always wanted to understand my wife. The Lord says, how do you want that highway? One lane or two. (laughs) The truth of the matter is, It's hard work to understand each other because men and women are are built so differently, so differently. And and so I was asking the Lord last night, Lord, give me a sign that I'm on the right path in preaching this message because I kept wanting to say, love is work. And I thought, is that theologically sound, Lord? I don't want to say anything that's outside of bounds. I want everything to be based on your word. Amen? Amen. But I had this idea, love is work. And then all of a sudden, I was getting ready for this message. And I was, I was, I had the clippers out. And I was taking care of business and shaving and, and getting everything ready. And my wife comes to me and says, here, put the robe on. And she hands me my robe. I'm not a robe wearer. This is just for show. I got, I got caught up in a moment of weakness and I bought the robe and I've, I've never worn it. That's just not me. You know, she goes, put the robe on because the kids have their friends over. And I guess she wanted me to look like a boss or something because she gave me the robe. And I thought, you know what? I could get used to this. You know, marriage is nice and chill, especially now after almost 30 years. I got this figured out. And I started thinking, maybe I won't talk about love is work. 
And just then my wife comes back into the room and says, hey, you need to get to work. I washed the sheets for you, put them on the bed. You're going to have to help me vacuum the living room. You're going to have to this, you're going to have to that because we have the Claxons coming over tomorrow for dinner. And so Claxons are sitting right here. Come on, help me give some love to Dave and Linda Claxon. Long time members of foundation, though they moved back to, uh, I was about to say Hawaii. I'm not speaking prophetically over you here. Back to Ohio, a little less than Hawaii, but um, nonetheless, we're glad to have you visiting. And, and so she starts putting me to work, and, and I feel like God winking at me saying, no, no, no. This is what most people go into marriage thinking it's going to be about. And they start thinking that all we need is love. You know, how many of you, when you got married, you heard the Beatles singing in the background, and you thought, all you need is love. that marriage takes work. And so instead of a robe, I put on my Carhartt sweatshirt. I put on my work boots and my work pants and my hat. And I said, you know what? Let's get to work. Because if you want to have a great marriage, you're going to have to put in the effort. You're going to have to put in the work. You're going to have to learn the skills and you're going to have to grow in faith. Amen. So today I want to share with you that a great marriage is very, very, very possible. Not only is it possible, it's a hundred percent guaranteed by God if you follow his way. Why? Because God is for you. See, I need you to understand that your marriage is not your idea. Your marriage is God's idea. Marriage was instituted by God. He's the one that put it into place. We wouldn't even know what marriage was if it had not been for his goodness. And he says that he is for marriage. I want to share with you something the word says in the book of, in the book of Numbers, back in the Old Testament. It says this, what God has blessed, no man can curse. And God has blessed your marriage. The only one that can allow that curse is you. By not following his will. By not following his word. So the Bible says openly, I've blessed your marriage. I am for you and not against you. And if I be for you, no one can be against you. The Bible says God is for your relationships. So if you're not married here today, but you're having trouble in your relationship with your family, with your coworkers, with some, I want you to grab from this message and understand that with a little work based on God's word, you can turn things around. But I have a question for you as we start. What is love? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Right? No, no more songs. No more songs. I know some of you are like, oh. Well, the Bible defines what love is. You know, the world has a lot of ideas of what love is, but how many of you know many of the plans in a man's heart, but it's God's purpose that prevails? There's a way that seems right to man, the Bible says, but in the end it leads to destruction. God's way leads to eternal life. So let's hear what God's word says about love. God's word says love is patient and love is kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud and it does not dishonor others. Now I want you to consider what is 
What is God saying in this? It's almost as if he's saying love requires your determination. It's predicated on your choices. That means you can choose to be kind or you can choose to be unkind. You can choose to be patient or you can choose to be what? Impatient. You can choose to be selfless or selfish. Read it. It does not dishonor. You can choose to what? Abide by love or to abide by selfishness. Dishonor. Keep records of wrong. Be easily angered. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. You know, the world is interesting. I mean, the world is very, very interesting to me because the world goes out and says love is love. But yet the thing that they're, they're advertising is not okay in God's word. And yet God says love does not rejoice with sin. And that's a choice. Sin is a choice. Love is a choice. Let's keep reading. It does not rejoice or delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, it always perseveres or preserves. Love never fails. Love is a choice is the first thing I want you to know. And I want you to know that if you choose to do it God's way, you will succeed. Not you can succeed, you will succeed. Because God is for your marriage and your relationships and your family with your loved ones. Love is a choice. Do you see that in God's word though, pastor? You can say it all day long. I just showed you out of the definition of love that it requires choice. It requires your engagement. But what if what about what Jesus says in John 7? John seven seventeen. the Bible says very openly, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak of my own accord. Jesus is saying, you get a choice. So love is a choice means we have free will, means we have determination. That means we can do something about it. That's powerful. You know what else it is? Love is risky. Because we have a choice. What about the other person? Guess what? They have a choice too. That means love is not only a choice, but love is a risk. Love is a risk. And you have to be careful with that idea of love being a risk because sometimes we get so wrapped up in our fear of risk that we fail to step out there and really go for it. You know, this is something that God has shown me time and time again, as even as a young man, and he keeps telling me and keeps showing me, hey, if you want to experience real love, you've got to be able to step forward. You've got to take the risk. You've got to keep going for it. Someone asked me once, and, and I didn't know whether to be offended or what, but they said, hey, pastor, how did a guy like you get a woman like Melissa? And I thought, hmm. Leave my office, please. (laughs) And I thought, but that's a great question. And I thought to myself, you know what? Because I was willing to take the risk. I can remember we were, I was, I was nine years old. She was six years old when she said she knew uh, she was going to marry me. But then we, she kind of forgot, I think. Because then there was a point there where I started changing and I told my, my brothers, I know what I want to do with my life. 
I was 15, 16 years old, and I came home and I said, I know what I want to do with my life. I'm going to study hard. I'm going to go to UT. I'm going to date Melissa, and I'm going to marry her. And the only reason I said UT, because it was close. But God improved improved the dream because God always takes you exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond whatever you could hope for, imagine, or dream. He sent me to God's country, Baylor. I dated Melissa and I married her just like I said, but, but listen, it didn't turn out that easy. There was a risk along the way. You want to know the greatest risk? The greatest risk for me was to move from the friend zone to the boyfriend zone. And I'll never forget, that was scary because we had grown up together. Our families had grown up together. Now our families are at a family camp and we're talking. And I can remember thinking, oh Lord, help me, help me, help me. And I started talking to her and I, and I started sharing with her how I felt. Come on, how many of you know when you first share with somebody how you feel, that's scary. That's scary. And so you start, I started saying things like, you know what, I, I can, I, I know I, I admire you, you're, you're, you're you're a great person. You know, I've, I've known you for so long. And then all of a sudden, I just kept talking myself deeper and deeper and deeper into the hole. And then I know, I don't know why I said this, but, but can I tell you, fear will make you say weird things. <laughs> and fear, you're going, you're laughing, but how about in your relationship, fear will make you say hurtful things. Come on, when you're insecure, when you're feeling like less than a success, when you feel like your spouse has picked on you or done something, disrespected you. I'll talk about that next uh, uh, in a little bit. But you, you, you lash out. This time I didn't lash out, but I spoke out of my insecurity because I was feeling so insecure. I, I just remember saying this. I said, you know, you, you've, we've been, you've grown up together and all. You're kind of like my little sister. How many of you know that's not the way to get out of the friend zone? Oh, yeah, it is. You go deeper the wrong direction, don't you? Now I'm like, oh, why did I say that? I remember coming back to my, to my dorm room and I was like, duh, stupid, stupid. Why did you say that? If you thought getting out of the friend zone was hard, now she's like your little sister. I can remember praying and praying and my brothers are going, man, you need to, that was stupid. And they had no advice for me. And, and, and so I remember praying and I asked the Lord, Lord, get me out of the friend zone. And I'll never forget. I don't know why. It had to be God because I know my in-laws. And my in-laws did something very uncharacteristic. There were some kids down the river or something. And they wanted to find them, but they didn't want to go themselves. So they sent us, teenagers, to explore, to go down <laughs> And we just conveniently went the wrong way down the river. You know what I mean? If they were this way, we went that way. And we're looking for these guys. But at the time, I thought, wow, perfect opportunity. I know this has to be God because no parent in the right mind would let their beautiful daughter alone with me. <laughs> you know? And I'm walking and I'm talking to her. And, I'm, and she's talking to me. And I'll never forget, she looks over at me and she starts to help me out a little bit. And she goes, you know what? You're not like a brother to me. You're, you're, you're a really good friend. And you're, I admire these qualities about you. I said, oh yeah, here we go. Here we go. Come on, somebody needs to get some courage today and say, here we go. Here we go. Because, because fear will keep you from your best. 
Keep, fear will keep you from your best. And you might be saying, what kind of fear? Maybe you're fearing rejection again. Maybe you're fearing divorce again. Maybe you're fearing getting hurt again. Maybe you're fearing being cheated on again. I don't know what you're fearing, but can I tell you something? That is the enemy of real love and a real experience that God wants you to have. And that's called his awesome blessing of marriage and relationship. And I can tell you, yeah, it was puppy love, but all through the years, God has shown me, you've got to get past your fear and you've got to be willing to go for it. And you say, show me in God's word. How about the entire story of Jesus who knew he was going to get rejected, but he stepped onto this earth anyway, who knew he was going to be crucified, but he walked towards Calvary anyway. He knew there was a good chance the majority of the people who were living would spit on him, would revile him, would disrespect him but yet he hung there on a cross says i love you this much because love only works without fear it only works without fear can i tell you and there is no shame in love the enemy tries to tell you but what if you this and what if you that what if i love with all my heart and i represent my savior well on this earth but what if they cheat on you it's not my shame What if I'm so fearful that I never allow myself to experience this full-blown love because I'm so fearful? That's the key to my success. I don't have a lot, but I do have this. I have the woman of my dreams, and I did it because I was willing to step forward. And every step of the way, it didn't get easier. It seemed like it got harder because then she's sharing her emotions with me, and I don't know how to share, but I don't even know what love is. And I'll never forget what I said. I said, I think I love you. How many of you know that's not what you say? And then, um, um, women, y'all have this way of asking questions. And guys, how many of you know, we don't always understand the question because we're so direct communicators. You know, you get all ready, like you get with your fishing gear, you get with your, your basketball gear, you're all ready to go play here at the church. Uh, and, or or you, you get your golf bag and you have your golf shoes on, you got everything, you're, you're heading out the door. And she looks at you and she goes, where are you going? <laughs> and we literally think she wants to know, oh, I'm going to the golf course. No, no. She said, where do you think you're going? (laughs) Do you see the difference? And so she asked me, what do you mean you think? I answered that question wrong too. I can remember being fearful and I, do I kiss her or do I not kiss her? You know, and and I remember kissing her and having my eyes wide open. And she's kissing me and she opens her eyes and she sees my eyes and she's like, really? Really? Hey, but I wasn't letting fear stop me. You go, wait a minute. You were so clumsy. This was, this was, this is the the woman of my dreams. Can I tell you, you can have the marriage of your dreams, but you got to be willing to move forward. I'm making it funny, I'm making it light, and I'm making it like puppy love, but, but love is serious, and there might be some serious things that you're dealing with that are keeping you from moving forward. Even if you have to have your eyes wide open, but move forward. Amen? Make that choice, guys. After all, the Bible says God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind, self-control. That's what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7. 
He goes on to say, trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Trust him. He'll direct your path. He'll make it straight if you trust him. Amen. Yes, love is a risk. Yes, it involves free will. And there is a tremendous potential for hurt. And many mistakes will be made. I'll give you that. Many mistakes will be made. After all, not one of us is perfect. But not only is love, listen to me, a choice. Not only is love a risk. Love is also work. That's number three. And hence the hoodie and the work boots. Love is work. You say, wait a minute, pastor. Are you serious? I've always thought love is just supposed to just fall into place. In a perfect world, you're not in a perfect world and you're not perfect and neither am I. And so love requires us growing, striving. The Bible says to work Work out your salvation in fear and trembling is what Paul tells us. Now notice, because some Christians get all worked up about that and they said, you just said we were supposed to work for our salvation. I did not. I didn't say work for your salvation. Salvation is a gift of God, free from God. It's, it's, it's by grace. You have been saved through faith. But now that you have it, work it out. Put the effort in to live up to the high call that God saved you for. Put the effort in to have the best marriage you can. And it really does work if you work it. It really does work if you work it. That means if you put the effort, if you grow, if you stretch yourself, if you challenge yourself not to be comfortable, to become more like Christ, you can't have the marriage or the relationship of your dreams. First Thessalonians 1, 3 puts it this way. Paul is talking to his beloved church in Thessalonica. And he says this. I want you to notice, I'm going to share with you Three different segments of this epistle. The first segment comes at the very beginning of the book and he, he commends their love. But notice the way he characterizes their love. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love. What does work of faith and labor of love mean to you? It means love is work. That means you got to put effort into it. Listen to what else he says. He says, labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That means these, this thing he's calling us to, it requires effort. Listen to what he says in the middle of the, of the book. He says this, but Timothy has just come to us from you. And he's brought to us a good news or a good report about your faith and about your love. It keeps increasing. It keeps overflowing to each of you and you're doing wonderful. Now watch, watch the way he concludes the letter. He says, you might be doing wonderful and I hear great things and you're working out what God has called you to. You're working it out, but watch. He says, keep working it out. Watch the way he finishes in the next, in the next verse. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instruct you how to live in order to please God, as in fact, you are currently living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Don't stop. Keep growing. Keep going. That's why I'm telling you, the work doesn't... See, say, okay, pastor, love is a choice. Love is a risk. Love is work. But be more specific. What does it take to have a great relationship? 
What does it take? I want to finish this this message by sharing with you the, the last key. It takes faith. I'll develop this as we go, but it takes real faith. Love takes faith. You go, but but who really knows? How can you say that? Who really knows? Well, the Bible says that God knows. God knows what it takes. After all, the word tells us that God is love. He is the very essence of love. And so if anyone knows what it takes, it would be God. The Bible tells us that he'll direct us, he'll guide us, he'll teach us. And he does it by his word and his Holy Spirit. You say, okay, his word and his Holy Spirit. Yes, read with me. This is what Paul tells Timothy. All of God's scripture has been breathed out by God himself. And he says, and it is useful for teaching you, for rebuking you, correcting you, and training you in righteousness. So that you, as the servant of God, may be thoroughly equipped and prepared for the good work of marriage he has called you to do. For the good work of relationship building he has called you to do. For the good work of being in relationship with your church and your fellow Christians that he has called us to do. That means it's here in his word. And he will give us what we need. But let's keep going. Since none of us are perfect, we can admit there's great potential for hurt. For disappointment. And this causes a tremendous amount of fear. Tremendous amount of fear. Do you realize, guys, that what causes most relationships to struggle is fear? Even if you have a great relationship, fear. Remember the uh, last week I told you that, that we, we have felt in our family that the enemy's been messing with us on, on Saturday night. And last Saturday night was no exception. This Saturday night, uh, we prayed it through. We just prayed. We didn't do anything else. We prayed, got ready for today, and, and we broke through. But last Saturday, we decided to kind of get distracted, I guess, and we went out to eat. And Pastor Melissa, I'm just going to blame her and throw her under the bus. Um, I may need a place to sleep l- later on tonight. But <laughs> she said something that I perceived disrespectful. And I kind of went, guys, you know what I'm talking about? When you just kind of go, you don't say nothing. You just kind of keep eating your hamburger. Then she said it again. I said, oh, that's it. (laughs) And I got about this much patience in me. And I, 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 I would admit it's probably because I haven't cared to work at it harder. It's just the truth. And I need to work at it harder. You can make excuses. And I have all the excuses. Well, my dad wasn't very patient. My grandfather wasn't very patient. I come from a man of a line of men's men. We're just baloney. Right? And so she was about to go that way again. And I just finally took out the flamethrower. And I just torched the whole table. Can I tell you, that's never fun. Because my kids are looking at me like, really, dad? She's looking at me like, what in the world are you doing? 
And then later on, I brought it up and I go, you said this, this, and this. She goes, that's not how I meant it. What I meant was, oh, I didn't realize that. Can I tell you? That came from fear. Fear of what? Fear of what? Fear of being belittled by your wife? Fear of being, what? Disrespected? And I started realizing, why do I have this need to be respected so much? I said, Lord, well, it's in your word. The Bible says that men need respect, but he goes, no, go back further. When you were younger, in the neighborhood you grew up in, it was all about respect. But can I tell you something? You're not in the neighborhood anymore. You're in the family of God. And you are all that I say you are. And then he said something that I've been hearing all my life. And it it used to be my mom saying it, but it was because she was telling me God's word. No one can make you feel any way. You choose to feel that way. You chose to feel that way. And you chose to react to your family that way. And I'm here to tell you, you can choose to believe what my word has said and stop carrying this thing on your like a chip on your shoulder, asking everybody to respect you and know who you are in God and respect yourself. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? We have to overcome fear. And the fears come in all shapes and sizes. And, And you say, the strange thing about fear is that God gave us the capacity to fear, but he doesn't want us to fear. Do you realize that even in the negative situations, God can show us something? And with our fear, it can be useful because God will use our fear to show us that we're deficient in either faith, hope, or love, or maybe all three. And so while fear is something negative, it's also an indicator, an indicator that we need to strengthen up. That we need to get alone with God and work out some faith and work out some hope and work out some love and work out, you go, love? What do you mean love? Love is patient. And I got to work out that patience. Amen? Do you hear what I'm saying, church? It's an indicator. It's also an opportunity and it should be a motivator. I won't let fear keep me from having the best marriage I was called to have by God. I won't let him, I won't let it do it. I won't let it. God, you and I got to work this thing out because I don't want to react from fear because fear takes all shapes and sizes and it can come from a number of experiences. Come on, how many of us have experienced abandonment and now fear being abandoned? And so that fear is keeping you from loving the way you're called to love. How about the fear of rejection? You rejected me. Or I was rejected in the past and now I won't give myself totally? But how do I deal with that? You get in God's word and you get with God's spirit and you work it out. You give it to God. You say, but I have. You keep giving it to God. You keep giving it to God. And you keep giving it to God. Amen? How about the fear of not being good enough? 
I just don't know if I'll ever be good enough. And, and, your, and your spouse is saying, you're good enough, you're good enough. And yet you just keep, no, 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 backing up, backing up, backing up. And if you would just move forward, you could have the life you're called to have. Think about it with me for a second. There's so many fears. We can go through them all of being cheated on, of repeating the past, of losing a spouse's interest, of not being attractive enough, of being a failure, of getting old. There's all sorts of fears for me. And they come in all shapes and sizes. This is mine. Oh, I am scared to death of sharks. Sharks just freak me out. I can handle snakes. I can handle bats. I can handle all of that. I can even handle dark alleys. Sharks freak me out. Anyone else? And that's why the gulf is so hard for me. I, I, somebody be going, why don't you go to South Padre? Cause it's dirty. I mean, I mean, not South Padre, uh, Port A, Port Aransas, cause it's dirty. I gotta go all the way south. And if, and if Texas was longer, I'd go to Cancun, just drive. Cause I want it clear. Why do I want it clear? South Padre is pretty clear. You can see the shark that's gonna eat you about 10 foot away. Port A, you don't see them. He's just going to eat you. And that freaks me out even worse. I like, in the, I like the Caribbean because at least I see him from a mile away. Oh, he's coming and I can't outswim him. And I, I pray. I say, Lord, that's important. That prayer right before you die, right? And so we were out in Padre, uh, South Padre, and I had a little bit of visibility like we do. And I liked it. And uh, I was trying to get to the second sand dune. The second sand dune, you get a little bit of, you, you can stand up a little taller. So we were in that no man's zone. You know what I'm talking about? And my wife starts jumping on me and she's feeling a little frisky or something. I don't know what's going on. And typically that would be great for a guy, you know, like, yeah, hey. But then all of a sudden I'm too preoccupied with my fear. Come on, did I, can I tell you fear will kill your romance? You're, you're laughing, but can you just put the list back up there? You have, the, you have these things going on. It'll kill your romance. It'll kill your togetherness. It'll kill your closeness. Am I right? So I'm in that den, and she's trying to play with me and tickle me, and she's trying to get a reaction. I'm like, stop it. There could be a shark out here. Stop messing around. And she's like, the kids are over there. They're tired. Let's just have some fun. And I'm like, stop it. You're not taking this seriously. There could be a shark out here. So then now she's nose to nose with me and she's talking to me and she's, she's trying to cheer me up. She goes, come on, babe. And I go, oh, I kid you not. I saw a fin. You guys are laughing. I saw a fin. And I look at her square and she has her hands on my shoulders and my shoulders just tighten up like this. And I said, Finn. And she goes, stop playing, baby. You know how your wife thinks you're playing? I'm not playing. I'm out of here. You come now or or forever hold your peace. I'm out of here. Now, this is the way she remembers it. I don't quite remember it that way. But she says that I got so scared that I literally took my feet and I put them up on her, on her midsection. And I pushed off like Michael Phelps doing a kickflip off the wall. I mean, I was going for gold, man. I just, and I took off 
And I looked at her later and I said, baby, it was for the kids. <laughs> One of us had to survive. I'm the strongest swimmer. I had to... <laughs> We had to go for it, right? I guess one of us had to live. This fin was huge. She freaks out. I freak out. The marriage is in serious trouble. I know you're laughing, but I want you to remember something. Fear makes you do uncharacteristic things. Put that list back up there. Some of these could be serious fears. And you will put your safety ahead of your partner's. You will do things that you're not proud of. You will push them towards a shark. I didn't do that. I, did, I still hold, I did not do that. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? You got to deal with the fear. Now, when I got back to shore, I realized that uh, can, I, can I just say something and you won't take offense to it? Um, Hispanics and Anglos are different. Because every Hispanic was running, Finn! Every Anglo person was going towards, going, it's a dolphin! It's a dolphin! I'm going, I don't care what it is! That thing could hurt you! And when we saw most of the Anglo crowd going in, and they're going, it's a dolphin. Why were you so scared? I'm going, because it's a dolphin. <laughs> and, and what I'm trying to tell you guys is this, that what scares some people may not scare others, but you've got to deal with your fear. Amen? It takes faith. This is where we're, we're headed towards the home stretch, because to me, this is what that fin looked like. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, now, I want to share with you, if you don't deal with these fears and you don't learn to walk in faith, because listen, love takes faith, you're going to find yourself in a very unpleasant dynamic. A dynamic is, what it makes up, is what's made up by two people in a relationship. There's two positions and make up three dynamics, okay? Two positions, three dynamics. This is what it looks like. Okay, faith-filled, faithless, faithless with the faithless, faith-filled with the faithless, and faith-filled with faith-filled. So let's put faithless over here, faith-filled over here. Now you can both be over here, you can both be over there, or you can be staggered. But that's the only possibilities, can we agree? Now, stay with me on this. These positions are typically characterized like this. Faith-filled takes responsibility for their choice. Takes responsibility. I'm in God's word. I know what my choice should be, and I'm going to go for it. The faithless is characterized by irresponsibility. Abdication. What does abdication mean? You make decision. Let somebody else, it's somebody else's responsibility. I, I don't want them to do it. I'm just giving up. You might be fearful, but you still have to what? Work. You still have to work. And you still have to go for faith. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That means if you can't have a relationship with God without faith, how are you going to have a relationship with one another without faith? Can I see that? Because love takes faith. So let's go through this real quick. 
The first dynamic is faithless and faithless. This is how it's characterized. Irresponsibility, manipulation, constantly trying to manipulate each other, trying to control one another, get each other to do what they're what the other uh, wants them to do because I'm requiring you to make me feel better and you're requiring me to make you feel better and we are so codependent on each other in a very unhealthy way. Come on now. Powerless. Keep going with me. How about faith-filled and faithless? One person is being faith-filled. That person is carrying the relationship. The relationship is out of balance And there is an enabling happening. How? The person that's faith-filled is enabling the faithless person. Sooner or later, this will break down. So where you want to be is faith-filled and faith-filled. That's promise, power, and purpose. What do you mean promise, power, and purpose? You hold on to the promises of God and you you have the faith to believe them. Oh yeah, it's scary. Yes, I've made mistakes. Yes, there's been hurt, but I keep stepping forward. I keep stepping forward. I keep believing the promises. I rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and I will experience the purpose of God for my marriage. And that is a beautiful, amazing marriage. Come on. Can someone hear me on this? Can someone hear me on this? Now let's talk about the language very quickly. The language for faithless typically goes like this. I can't. Are you willing to try? Maybe. I have to. I have to go to church. I have to stay with this woman because of the kids. I have to. I'll try. I'll see if I can get over it. I'll see if we can be better. I'll try. You know, it's not really my fault, Pastor. It's her fault. It's his fault. It's because, it's because of this, it's because of that, it's because of whatever excuse. How about the faith-filled? I can, I will, I get to. Not I have to, I get to love this woman. I get to have an amazing life with her. I get to have amazing kids. I get to have the family of my dreams. I get to do what God has put me on this earth to do. I get to do it. And guess what? I will do it. I can do it. I do. I do. I say I do to you for today and for all of my life. And given the chance, I'd live two lifetimes with you gladly. Gladly. Because I get to do this. And how about I'm sorry when it's important. I'm sorry. Why is that important? That means take responsibility. It's not your fault. Hey, if I hurt you, I'm sorry. Amen. Because what we're trying to destroy and what I see in God's word is you got to get rid of the victim mentality. That victim mentality that is pervasive in our culture leads us away from what God's word says. God's word says this, we are hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. I am not a victim, Paul says. I am not a victim. I am more than a conqueror, he says in Romans 8, 31 through the end of the chapter. And if God be for me, who can be against me? He goes on to say, who, verse 35, read it with me. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, or persecution, famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Even though it is written that we face all day long death, 
and we are led for the slaughter as Christians, I still won't feel sorry for myself. I am more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ, and no one can separate me from the love of Christ. No one can. No one can. That means I'm not a victim because a victim will always name a bad guy. And if you're a victim in your relationship, more than likely you're going to name your spouse as the bad guy. It's because of them. And a bad guy will, excuse me, a victim always needs a bad guy and always needs a rescuer. And this spells disaster for marriages. Because you start looking for a rescuer. You start looking towards alcohol. You start looking towards work. You start looking toward whatever it is. I just need an escape. I need an escape. And then ultimately, if that bad, if that rescuer is another person, then that rescuer will start to attack the, the bad guy. I can't believe they treat you that way. You don't deserve that. Am I right? You don't deserve that. And it leads you down a cycle of despair. Instead, I want to suggest to you this model. Believe all that God has for each of you and love each other the way God has called you to love each other and experience the goodness of God. Ultimately, that takes a choice. It takes a choice to understand. Love is a choice. Yes, it's risky. Work at it. And it takes faith. It takes faith. Don't be a victim. Get in there and make it the best it can be. You have God's promise. So this is the language that we've adopted in my home. I get to. I can. I will. I do choose to love you for the rest of my life. I do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you, what is the Holy Spirit shared with you today? What is the Holy Spirit shared with you today? There in your own heart, would you just say, Holy Spirit, what is it that I need to work on? What fear has been manipulating me? Have I stopped working? Have I settled into faithlessness? Do I need to rise up and trust you for more? And just between you and God, would you commit, would you commit to having your relationship, your marriage, your family being all, be all that God has called it to be? As we take our communion cup, can we say with one voice, Lord, we trust you. We trust you, Lord. In faith, in faith, we move forward. 
even as you did, Lord. We love you because you first loved us. You first took that giant step saying, I won't be fearful. Even if it costs me my life, I'll hang on the cross for you. And Lord, we say thank you in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus Christ, we know that you gave your body to be broken for us and your blood to be shed. Until you return, we celebrate. Amen. I love you, church. Have a great, great week.